My name is Deborah. I'm a writer who loves all things money. I'm Hui Yu, and I'm a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. And you're listening to Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast where we talk about how you can build a clearer picture of your financial well-being and be more confident about money in general. Hey, Hui Yu, good to see you again. How was your holiday? Holiday was great. I came back. Unfortunately, had COVID first time, so <laughs> it was a mini holiday after the real holiday. Okay, cool. Yes, and you quietly turned a big milestone in your life without any party or celebration whatsoever. As your friend, I feel very strongly about that. <laughs> no, I don't understand. Can this one please share more with me? I don't have such a strong feeling towards birthdays. Really. But, okay, I mean, for my 40th birthday, just so that, you know, everybody now knows I'm no longer 25. <laughs> I, <laughs> Surprise. I actually, like, threw a big, okay, not a big birthday bash, but, yeah, I, I just basically invited all my friends to a pub for drinks, for food. I don't know. I just felt like it's a milestone that's worth celebrating, remembering. I don't know, up to the individual. But anyway, um, well, this, this, this episode is definitely not talking about birthdays. That's it, you know, um, let's talk about this month's topic. So what are we talking about this month, Hui? So this month, um, Debs asked me if we should talk about what you look out for, I mean, from a client's perspective, what to look out for when you do a review with your financial advisor. Uh, I, I want to be very protective of the information <laughs> that Debs shares. So I asked her to make this review a bit more generic. Okay, so maybe cool. maybe Debs, you can can you share with us when you mm. do a review like a review with me on the on an annual basis, right? Mm. What kind of questions or what expectations you have of this review? Well, first of all, I think before I answer this question, I want to sort of um, turn it around. You know, turn the question around to you as well, right? Like, um, why is it so important for us to do a financial review every year? For me, okay, if you ask different financial advisors, they will give you different answers. Okay. For me, I just want to make sure that the, the plans that we have in place for the client are still relevant. For example, in the year, you probably you may have changed jobs, you may have had a pay increment, you may have received bonus, you may have gotten married or divorced or had new kids. Or, so many things can happen, especially as we see from COVID. People fall sick, People, some people unfortunately pass away. Then... With all these very major changes in life, are the plans that we, we put in place prior still relevant? And mm-hmm. if it's not relevant, how do we adjust it? Nice. So coming back to your question, um, can you repeat your question again? I've kind of like forgotten. What is your sure, question okay. for me? So, so when you enter, uh, okay, like when you're going into a financial review, what are your expectations or what questions do you have in mind? Mm. I think for me, when I do a financial review, probably because, you know, I'm I'm letting a financial advisor manage my money throughout the course of the year, I'm probably not cognizant of the fact, you know, of what plans I'm actually buying, what funds I'm actually buying, how my money is being invested. So I think to kick off the review, it would have been 
uh, good for the financial advisor to sort of, you know, do a year in review kind of thing. Like, okay, so last year you invested this much money and this much money I put into this plan, this plan, this plan. And how are these plans doing by the time that we got around to talking about the financial review? Whether, you know, you've lost some money, whether the plans have been doing well, stuff like that. So yeah, like a, a reminder of, how much I've invested and how the investments have so far been doing would be really useful because, you know, for me, I don't really keep track of my investments, right? So that would be one of the things that I look out for. Secondly, it would be really uh, for the financial advisor to sort of do a reality check for me as well because, you know, oftentimes we're kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I think at the back of my mind, I'm saving, but maybe I'm not saving as much or maybe I've not been very disciplined in how I'm saving my money or how I'm even budgeting my money. So it would be good for the financial advisor to also say like, oh, you know, let's look at your budget again. Are you Have you been sticking to your budget? Has your budget changed in any way? You know, you just bought a new place, you know, has that eaten into your budget? Or basically, for instance, if you have, um, you just bought like, you just started a new business, right? Like, you know, um, has your budget changed, personal budget changed in any way or, or things like that, right? So that that kind of reality check would be really helpful, right? So if let's say, for instance, after look, looking at my budget, you tell me, okay, that's, this is ridiculous. You're eating Deliveroo every day, three times a day. It's just not sustainable if you want to retire by 55. So you're going to do like something about it, right? So that's something I would be expecting my financial advisor to tell me too. Hmm, okay, this is very interesting for me because... Mm-hmm. I feel as a financial advisor, I I face the challenge of having to balance speaking the truth mm. versus being sensitive about it. Okay, maybe I'll just share a bit with, the, with our listeners. Working with Debs is very straightforward because I can just speak very candidly with her. Okay, let's, ju- let's just use some generic examples that we've already mentioned to the listeners. Like for example, Debs recently bought a house. So in our recent review, that came up and we were talking about whether the new house property purchase, how it has affected her overall portfolio, and whether um, it will be advisable for her to rent out in future as passive income for retirement and all these things, right? And I see it as my responsibility to highlight whether debt has enough for retirement. So like what I was saying, it's very easy for me to speak candidly with debts, but I can't speak as candidly with some of my other clients because they may not like to hear the truth. Really? So, I mean, like, wouldn't, isn't that what a financial review is about? And I don't know, if, you, if this is not the time for your financial advisor to be candid about how you're managing your money, then when is a good time, right? I don't know. It's, it's a very delicate balance, I must say. Um, I'm still learning, you know, honestly, to find the sweet spot of how how much truth to deliver and how sensitively or how delicately to deliver. Like, for example, coming back to Debs, right? Debs has always emphasized that her criteria or her, her requirement is retirement planning. That's her focus. And I would say for someone of uh, Debra's background, she's married, She's, she's a professional, she's working, she is very independent, she's very self-reliant. This is something that I want to continue or I want to ensure in your retirement years. You know, I want to make sure that you don't have to rely on someone, you don't have to rely on a payout, you don't, 
you don't have to work beyond your years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is always my focus when it comes to your review. Every year, I always see if there are ways to supplement your retirement income. Okay, so yeah. I, I don't know if you have noticed it, but this is always a recurring topic when it comes to your review. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like, sometimes I feel like, oh my God, it's so boring, right? All we ever talk about is retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for me, yeah, I guess it's good that you have that, my, my priority in mind, because for me, I tend to get very distracted also. Although I know my priority is retirement, but I get, you know, distracted by like, oh my God, cryptocurrency, should I like, buy more nfts should i invest in some you know should i invest in some of this, this new thing or or like you know um rolex watches everybody seems to be buying them should i actually be buying rolex watches and then flipping them on the market i admittedly i get distracted by these little things because i keep thinking to myself that oh you know why not make a big buck like a quick a quick like buck when you can right but yeah but i think what i do appreciate is that you're always that voice of reason <laughs> in my financial review and you're not encouraging me to do all my like stupid little projects on the side. I mean, if I do do these little things on the side, you just like caution me and tell me that, well, just make sure you still have enough in your emergency fund. You can go and, you know, invest in green, green financial stuff, or you can sort of, you know, buy more crypto or NFTs, but just make sure that it doesn't really eat into your main retirement portfolio. So yeah, I, I think come, you know, now that you've mentioned it, you know, on hindsight, I, w- I do appreciate that you kind of anchor me back into the big goal that I have um, always in mind. Yeah. So this is where I add that um, we've been w- working together for quite a few years. So there's a certain level of chemistry in our working relationship. And this level of trust is something that I appreciate as the advisor. Mm-hmm. Firstly, because I can speak candidly and I, and I know that you will give me very honest feedback as well. Like if I'm slightly off track when it comes to uh, maybe not addressing your goals, I know that you are able to let me know. And I guess for from the advisor's perspective, this is something that really matters to me because I, I also need feedback from the client to let me know if I'm on track or if I'm slightly off and why I'm off and then we can, we can veer back on track again. Coming back to this point about being on track, right? Just, you know, catching it. I have to admit that I'm not super savvy when it comes to, you know, investing in funds, which is what we mainly do, you know, with my investment with you, right? So how can a client tell whether that investment is on track or not? Okay, to answer this question, let's just just zoom out a bit. Mm. Okay, because it's never so much about the tools that you use, I feel. Okay, because in Singapore, we have so many financial tools available to us. Yeah. The bigger question here would be what your ultimate goal is. Okay, for example, if you want to retire by 50, 55, 60, I don't know, up to you. You as a client, you tell me, right? And then mm-hmm. it's my job to see if your goal is realistic and attainable. Okay, and then once we both agree on our goal, the, my goal for you, or rather your goal for yourself, and then we come up with the tools that are suitable. Okay, so, I, okay, for 
the client, you do not have to worry about um, being financially financially literate or knowing a lot about funds, for example, or bonds and all these things, right? If your financial advisor is doing their job well, they mm. will educate you along the way. Okay. And they will also answer your questions. Yeah. And if, if there are new products that come out uh, later on, all these new products should be employed to help you achieve your goal. Okay, so and so many new products come up, come out every year, and we attend trainings and we need to clock our CPD hours anyway. So it's also a good time for us to update you on what the new products are out there, mm-hmm. and if it's suitable and relevant to your goals. I have a, yeah. So bring to the next question, right? About training, about you know the financial advisor. You know, part of their job is to make sure that they educate you about what are some of the new things out there in the market or stuff like that and on financial literacy, for example. It kind of sounds like the financial review is also kind of like a performance review for the financial advisor, you know. So have you ever encountered anyone who would be semi-defensive about the... I mean, obviously markets go up and down, right? So for instance, this year when we did our financial review, you told me very frankly that my portfolio dipped a little bit. I've lost money. And for me, because I guess working in finance as well, I'm definitely aware that the market isn't performing well. So I wasn't having any kind of expectations that I was going to like be a millionaire this year, for example, right? But you know, for clients who may not be so financially savvy, who may feel like, hey, you know what? When we were introduced, you know, you told me you could help me make so much money or you could help my, my money grow by this much and now the market has fallen. You know, would that kind of situation be very awkward for both the financial advisor and the client? And when such situation happens, you know, what, what, how do you deal with it? I think what you just presented is a very realistic situation. Such conversations are bound to happen, especially when markets are down, like, like right now. Okay, mm. and like you rightly mentioned, not all clients work in the finance industry, so they may not be so in touch with how the markets are performing. But I think because in Singapore we have access to the news, most people would know that markets are not performing well. I mean, you just have mm. to go to Straits Times or Bloomberg or anywhere, you will see that uh, there are articles telling us that. We're either entering a recession or we're already in recession or we're in a bear market. These are the different terms that they use. Okay. For me personally, when I encounter clients who are disappointed or unhappy with the performance of their portfolio, it's just my job to put it very simply to tell them that the markets are currently not doing well right now because of reason ABC. Okay, so for me, what I do, right, is I first give them a summary of how the markets have been performing and what they can expect in the near future or in the next one year. And moving forward, are we going to do any changes to the portfolio or are we going to status quo or are we going to invest more because prices are low and therefore it's a good time to buy now when it's cheaper. So I think for the advisor, right, most importantly is not to take it personally. Yeah, that's right. Right? Because the... I mean, even as an investor myself, I can understand why people get upset when they lose money. Mm. So it's very natural that people are upset. Um, and it's not 
a personal attack towards me. I think to me, it's just having to explain how the economy is doing and what actions we need to take. And from my experience, most clients are very reasonable and understanding. And the fact that I'm able to be here to explain, they already appreciate that very much. You know, my next question would be like coming going into a financial review, right? What are are there any kind of homework or preparation that the client needs to do in order to, you know, get the maximum benefit of that review? Because obviously we're not going to be spending five hours pouring through every nitty-gritty detail of my portfolio, right? At most we're probably gonna spend one and a half hours. So how can I as a client maximize this one and a half hour with my financial advisor? What kind of questions should I be asking, for example? I think I'm starting to, to have a different perspective when it comes to financial reviews. Mm. I have been told, either as a feedback or clients' experience with other advisors, that financial reviews can tend to be very dry and very, very boring. Okay. okay. Right? And I don't think it should be that way. Okay, someone has even likened financial review to seeing a dentist. No. Which is how unpleasant. I was so hurt. I mean, <laughs> and, and there's a friend, you know, told me that. It's just like, yeah, every time I see you for review, right? It's like, it's as bad as going to a dentist. You know, I dread it. I was like, what? Okay, but anyway, um, to prepare yourself, <laughs> you can, I think, okay, knowing that the question your advisor will ask you is whether your goals are still the same. This is what you can prep. Just let your advisor know if your, your ultimate goal is the same or it has shifted. Like for example, now that you bought a, you just bought a house, do you still think you want to retire at 55 or do you want to push it back to 60 to be more realistic? Or like you recently had a, a new job and then with the new income or rather with the increased income, what options do you have to grow your money in this current economy? So if you come with this sort of questions that are related to your goal, then your advisor also knows uh, which direction to take when doing the review. And is there any questions that I should ask my advisor? Like, I mean, I think what I'm trying to find out is, you know, um, how do I ask intelligent questions? Is there any smart questions that I as a client have not asked you? You know, Okay, what I appreciate is that you are very frank in the way you interact with me. So mm-hmm. that to me is a very smart strategy already. Because I Okay, so being honest with your so being honest with your financial advisor is definitely one way of maximizing that financial review session. Definitely. And and it mm. definitely also speeds things up. Yeah. I mean, I'm not curious, right, as to why someone won't be honest with their financial advisor. Like what kind of okay i'm not saying that maybe it's dishonesty or something like that or you know like something fishy is going on in the background but you know generically speaking what kind of information would people want to hide from their financial advisor and why would they want to do that in the first place okay i like instantly i can think of a few examples Mm -hmm. may not be so common it really differs from person to person but like for example firstly if the trust is not established Okay. Okay. Uh, then 
the client may not feel so comfortable revealing so much information. And this is the reason why I keep going back to building the trust between the advisor and the client. Because you as a client, right, you need to know that I'm working in your interest. Mm -hmm. It's only when you gain that I gain. It has to be a win-win situation. It can't be yeah. a win-lose either way. You know, because then, then nobody stands to gain. If I get a sense that my client doesn't really trust me, what I may do is I will, I, I may just even ask very directly, like, is something that I didn't do well uh, or that I missed that has resulted in you feeling a certain way towards me? And then, okay, let's try to clear the air. And if we can't, we still can't clear the air, then I may suggest that the client works with another advisor instead. It's all for the benefit of the client. Mm. Well, do you think that certain clients feel like they need to hide how well they're doing to you? Because I was also like, what? That, that somehow did talk to me. Like, you know, say for instance, what if, you know, for when you brought up my income, right? Like I was thinking like, oh, maybe some clients would feel like, okay, you know, I've had a $5,000 pay increment, but I shouldn't tell Hui Yu that because in case she wants to sell me more plans. Do you think that's why some some clients might feel like, oh, you know what, I should not, I should hide a little bit of how much I'm really earning in front of my financial advisor so that they don't hard sell me more plans? Do you think that's the mentality that they they have as well? Wow. Okay. This personally, I haven't experienced. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I mean, to me, if okay, okay, wait, wait, let me pause for a bit. I can see the logic to why people this let's say a client may fear that a full disclosure of the new income may result in the advisor wanting to sell him or her more. But I come back to trust. If you trust that your advisor is working in your interest, mm -hmm. then there shouldn't be a problem in you being honest. It's, it's, it's a bit counterproductive if you have to hide your actual mm. amount. And then, yeah. that, okay, like for example, if I can shortcut your retirement, by five years, knowing mm -hmm. your full income, but now there isn't full disclosure and I am delayed by five years. I'm not doing you justice as well. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that client just feel like, oh, with that extra income, I should try something new, like go and invest myself and then don't let you earn the commission. I don't know. Some people are really just that warp, right? I just can't help feeling that maybe some clients feel like they want to, they don't want to let you earn so much. In a way. But yeah, but that's just one of the thoughts that pop into my head. Okay, I let's just say I rather believe mm. or rather I rather have faith in my clients that we are able to have a very honest conversation with each other. Mm. And even if they want to experiment with other instruments please feel free to tell me you know because mm. then i know okay let, let's say like okay, you want to diversify into crypto or nfts or anything else like property or overseas property then i know how much i need to buffer for you mm. should your alternative investment uh, not perform well yeah because for me ultimately it's all about risk management and if you're exposed to a new risk, how can I then manage? Mm. So you see, this is why I keep coming back to trust. 
and having yeah. a very open conversation. And does that answer your question? Yes, it does. <laughs> then going to my next question, right? If let's say I'm a client and I feel like, oh, you know what? Actually, maybe this is not really working out, right? Parting ways with a financial advisor is also very stressful, I feel, personally. Like, say for instance, if next year at our financial review and I go like, hey, you know what? I feel like my portfolio is growing way too slow, right? And there's this guy that somebody else has introduced me and promised me that he can grow my portfolio by 50% or something like that, right? I mean, the joke's on me if that guy doesn't deliver. But have you ever encountered you know, parting ways with a client that you've worked for with many, you know, you've worked with for many years and, you know, have you learned anything from that experience or anything you could share with us regarding, you know, that, that episode from your perspective and maybe, you know, what the client can learn from it as well. If let's say from parting ways with their financial advisor. Okay. For me, right. I mean, having been in the industry for, for so many years is of course I have experience let's call it a breakup, okay? Mm. Break, breakups with clients. And uh, I will be lying if I say that I wasn't affected by it. Mm. But I think as with all relationships in life, I mean, this is a working relationship. Uh, mm. Some relationships are past the season. Yeah. And naturally, people then move on to someone who is more, whom they feel is more relevant to their current state. Mm. So, um, yes, I have broken up with clients before or the other way around where clients have broken up with me because they feel that their expectations have changed for whatever reasons. And I really appreciate it when clients are able to tell me honestly that, hey, you know, for reason X, Y, Z, um, I have met someone else and I have decided to shift my portfolio over to this other person. Mm. And I mean, for me, it's okay, you know, thanks for... Thanks for working with me for the past few years and I wish yeah. you well. Mm. So I think just see it as a, you moving on to a new job. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Mm. Uh, yeah, but okay. I think, okay, to be fair, right, and this is me speaking on behalf of all advisors, it's easy for, for clients to be unhappy when the markets are down and when their portfolio is bleeding. Mm. Okay, and, and okay, let's say right now, right, when portfolios are bleeding, this is when clients are unhappy. And yeah. they, they want to move on, thinking that another advisor can perform better, blah, blah, blah. But the the reality is the whole economy is down. It's not just one portfolio or, you know, one yeah. company's portfolio. The whole economy, just read the news. <laughs> right? It's, it's very public knowledge. And yeah. I think if another person comes up and, tell, and promises or guarantees a certain profit level, do more due diligence before moving on. Mm. You know, I I mean, one thing that I I am very careful is not to guarantee any profit because it's just yeah. impossible. I mean, I, I cannot outsmart the market. Mm. So uh, I think for the client, you need to do your own due diligence and you need to, I think you need to importantly sense if you can fight with your advisor. Mm. And if yeah. you feel like you no longer can, then just move on, it's okay. I have one last question for you, right? So basically, you know, during the year, financial review is an annual thing, right? So I think maybe some people have that uh, misconception that it's only 
at financial reviews when you know you make a decision with your financial advisor to change your portfolio, re-optimize certain, you know, the way you invest or things like that. But I I guess during the course of the year, you also as a financial advisor op- re-optimizes the way our investment do, you know, where we put our money and stuff like that. Am I right to say that? Yes. And this may sound familiar to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I say, right, is if the markets are boring, markets are very flat, we will have our annual review. But if the markets mm-hmm. are very uh, volatile, you may hear from me more often. Okay. Yeah. Like, is it a good time to sell? Is it a good time to switch? Is it a good time to invest more? Should we dollar cost average downwards? I think as a client, feel free to feel empowered to approach mm. your advisor if you see opportunities or if you want to shift things around a bit. Yeah. And this is something I appreciate from my clients as well, you know, when they approach me and like, okay, okay, I, let me give you one real example. Last week, mm. when IMF uh, came up with their, their forecast or their report for the year, right? Yeah. A client forwarded me the IMF report and said she read it. And she's not even in finance, okay? That's the best part. She's not in finance. She read the whole report and she highlighted certain paragraphs and she asked me for my thoughts. This I find refreshing because okay. because firstly, she I, I enjoy that uh, we're having this dialogue and I know exactly from the question that she asked what her concerns are. Mm. And I can tell that she's looking for opportunities. Mm. So I kind of get a sense of what she's looking for. And when I asked her, she agreed. And I feel like this helps me understand my clients better as well. Mm. So yes, listeners, please feel, please be empowered and approach your advisors if you want to know if there are more opportunities, if you want to shift things around, if you want to invest more, anything. Yeah, I'm sure I think, your advisors will welcome you. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, right, the lesson to walk away with, to take away with you, right, is that there's no such thing as a stupid question, especially when it comes to your own money. Even if you feel like, oh my God, if I ask this question, my financial advisor, they're going to roll their eyes and like, oh my God, is this person so clueless, right? But it is your money and you need to really be not embarrassed about it. You get what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, if you feel too ashamed or too embarrassed to ask certain questions and you lose out on an opportunity or you sort of make a mistake, then you are the one paying for it. You know, so I feel like if you kind of have that relationship with your advisor where you feel not empowered to ask even the most ridiculous questions, you know, then I I feel like that is a relationship you need to um, reconsider, reconsider, right? Because it's almost like being in a relationship with another, you know, like with another person, a romantic relationship with another person. If you are not comfortable, you know, using the toilet while that person is brushing their teeth, then probably that is a a relationship you should reconsider too because why are you so uncomfortable, right? You know, so, I mean, I don't know whether this analogy is the right analogy to use, but I just feel like sometimes certain relationship, you cannot afford to be embarrassed. I have just one last question. That was on my that was on my list, but then I, I forgot to ask, right? So what happens if 
during the financial review, you realize that, you know, not only am I not going to be hitting my goals, I have totally gone off track. I've totally gone rogue, right, with my with the way I manage my money. Like, say, for instance, I pick up a gambling habit. Or, like, for example, like, you know, I, I decided that, you know what, wait, wait, I'm going to spend $500 on Toto every week for the next year because a fortune teller tells me that I will be striking some big price and that kind of So, you know, like, you know, when you realize that your client behavior has gone really weird or like, for example, you kind of sense that, oh, wait a minute, maybe he or she is in a toxic relationship and their partner is bleeding them dry and they're too ashamed to tell you. Like, how do you broach such conversation? Like, basically help them, you know, come back on track with, I mean, obviously their investment with you may not have been affected, but this is sort of like a personal finance kind of thing, right? Like, do you, do you, do you take it upon yourself to sort of tell them about these red flag behaviors in their, the way they're managing their money? Ah, okay, this is, this is really very tricky. Uh, for me, I am very careful about my boundaries mm. with anybody, you know. Okay. Um, and, and for me, this is a person, I mean, this is a professional boundary that I shouldn't overstep. Mm. So, for example, if, um, like what you said, if the my client's partner is bleeding them dry or, or has a gambling habit and is constantly borrowing money from them, all I can say is you will not be able to reach your goal by this certain age because of reason xyz but it's not my place to say i don't think your partner is good for you or you know maybe she be partner <laughs> or anything. I, and i won't i won't say such things you know um okay basically for me at this point in my life because i do not appreciate unsolicited advice mm. i'm also careful not to give unsolicited oh, advice okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so right. I'm not, yeah, right. I'm not the sort of advisor who'd be like, oh, no, Deb, so, no, this job is not good for you. Husband's not good for you. You know, husband's not as driven as you. No, no, I'm not that sort of person. Okay. Maybe some advisors are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my oh, Okay. Yeah. And so, on that note, I think, um, yeah, if you are going to be having your financial review with your financial advisor anytime soon, we hope you found what we have talked about in this episode um, useful. Yeah, so Hui, any parting notes for our our listeners? Uh, okay, I know the school holidays are coming, so if you guys are travelling, have fun travelling, stay safe, and some <laughs> currencies are, are very favorable, favorable right now. Uh, yeah. like, I think yen and Thai baht, euros down as well, I think. So yeah, have yeah. fun shopping. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.